0: This is the story of a man who at 16 was living in a homeless shelter and went on to develop a business that has now moved over half a billion dollars in currency exchange. Welcome to episode 29 with the founder and CEO of Regal Assets, Tyler Gallagher. You are listening to Len Jones, Party of Two, where experts and influencers speak honestly and openly about their keys to success. Sponsored by TrueFace.ai, where your face is the key. For more information on TrueFace, please contact your host at Ian TrueFace.ai. Now pay close attention, cause you gonna learn today. What up, party people? You already know it is a damn good day to have a doc! Hey. Good day. And I apologize for missing a week with you. The last four months, but specifically the last few weeks have been awful for the Jones. As I'm trying to get to the bottom of some serious gastrointestinal issues. But I finally think we have a grasp on it now, so I'm super stoked. We'll go more into that once it's actually cured and done. Because it is quite... Quite the story. (laughs) Which brings up a great point that there's never really a good time to be sick. Although it happens, and if you are in fact a human walking this earth, then there's a high chance you will run into your own health issues. And one thing that can cause extreme stress during these times is financial issues. Not being able to be at the office or do your job correctly can put a huge damper on your work-life balance, and I totally get it. That is why it is important to create multiple streams of income to protect yourself from rainy days. And today's guest goes into great detail on this subject. And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold. To educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans, by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in my life that are making moves, to meet my other friends in life making moves, to create one giant community of extraordinary people. I'd like to give a big shout-out to one of our newest sponsors, Invigorate, because I love what they're doing. In the short amount of time I've been using the software, I have loved it and feel confident sharing it with you guys. Invigorate is a company that helps build your social media reach on Instagram, which is something I was extremely skeptical about from the beginning. I had this preconceived notion that by using any sort of software in combination with my Instagram would just make me look bad and not look authentic. And nothing looks worse than people that buy followers or likes on a post. So I was not at all open minded. But by being educated that their software was not doing anything of those sorts, but attracting like minded profiles from real people. I saw that using software to grow your influence is actually a fantastic strategy in 2019 when it is so hard to get discovered naturally on Instagram now today's guest Tyler Gallagher is the real deal at 16 years old he was living in a homeless shelter barely getting by he recounts that every day he would go to the local library and read books such as rich dad poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki that had a huge impact in shaping his entrepreneurial mind early on you'll find that Tyler hit rock bottom multiple times which kind of another reason why I just love his story because this happy go-getter attitude always kept new opportunities forming he tells his story that after stumbling into a man driving a bentley that interaction somehow led to him obtaining an internship with said individual and learning more about moving currencies particularly being precious metals like gold and silver fast forward in tyler's company regal assets has offices all over the world is an inc 500 company tyler has been inducted into the forbes finance council and he has done over a half a billion dollars in investments for his clients i enjoyed this episode so much I I just love Tyler's realness I love how authentic he is and over the next 60 minutes he speaks about how important customer testimonials and reviews are in today's online economy tips to not burn yourself out as an entrepreneur the major building blocks including books he learned early on from that led him to run a huge business his biggest marketing secret being affiliate marketing and how it exploded his business his excitement surrounding precious metals and being able to diversify your portfolio things he wished he could have told that young 16 year old that was living in that homeless shelter that would have saved him a ton of time and money. So if you find some brain berries in today's episode then you owe it to a friend to share it with them. Our goal here is to spread the love and have you all making moves. Now without further ado let's jump into it. We're out here we're live with the man Mr. Tyler Tyler Regal that cannot be your real name though let's give us your real name.
1: No, that's not my real name. It's Tyler Gallagher.
0: Right. Ty Gallagher. It's great to see you, man. How you doing?
1: Great to see you too, man. I'm doing great. I'm doing really great. Uh, thanks for having me, man.
0: Last time I hung out with you, I had one of the best experiences of my life, especially for that year. It was so much fun, man. That was just...
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that was a good time. That was, uh, that was a good time.
0: You have a gift at connecting people. You're a very good networker. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Thank you do you think that always has been you? Like, have you just been the type of person that knows everybody loves to just loves to be in the know? Like, has it just kind of always come easy to you to, to meet people and, and get the connections that you need?
1: Uh, well, it's, it's strange from a, a young age. Um, do you know, I, I always looked up to my older brother and so, you know, he used to read a lot of books <clears throat> and I used to just emulate him. So when he'd take off the work, I'd like read his books. So that like, You know, the age of 12, I'm reading Awaken the Giant Within from, you know, Tony Robbins. And, you know, I just I read a lot of books and I guess something that stuck with me and still to this day and I've kind of built my life, my business life, my personal life on is um, if you're trying to get somewhere, the quickest way to get there is to help someone get to where they want to be. And in being able to do that, you'll find yourself already where you want to be once once, you know, you, you help someone out. So naturally, I've always uh, made it a point to help people get to where they want to be, because just uh, karmically and just just morally, just like, you know, uh, universally, it's just a principle that works. I mean, I I don't see where you could go wrong uh, helping someone achieve their goals and get to where they want to be. So that's kind of why I've always been this natural networker. Um, And what I like to do as well, that's really important is when I connect people, I like to remove myself. So it's a real genuine connection. Like there's no agenda on my part. Like I don't want money or a piece of it or whatever. I genuinely connect people with no expectation except for, you know, the unseen, you know, call it the universe. People call it God, whatever you want to call it, seize that deed. And, uh, you know, chalks it up and says, you know, Tyler did that and connected those people. And, you know, and and I, I think it's just, you know, something something that's always stuck with me. I don't, I don't know why, but it's uh, it's worked. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, if you help as many people get what they want, you can have anything you want. And you're a testament to that, you know, focusing on helping people move their needle on their goals and just. If you influence someone's life, people will go to war for you. And you're the type of person that is very good at building loyalty because you display that to everyone you meet and that's a a trait that i really envied you when we first met because i was looking at all these people from all different wavelengths i mean we had some of like the biggest studio producers rappers management from top marketers all hanging out at your house and it was just insane to see you you know tyler organizing that whole thing so very yeah. cool. so regal assets, man you're, I mean, when I think of gold and silver and you know <laughs> what to do with those things, you're the first name that comes into mind. I mean, you're the man that took that and absolutely built an empire on it. <laughs> so where did regal assets? Where did that all begin? Where did your love for finance and gold and all that begin?
1: Uh, Well, oddly enough, um, you know, I have a crazy story as I think we all do. And, um, you know, part of my story is, so I'm originally from Canada and, uh, I lived in a shelter, um, when I was 16 years old. So I moved to Toronto at 16 years old by myself with three bags, 70 bucks to my name. And I lived in a homeless shelter. And I remember in the homeless shelter, I never wanted to, uh, you know, become friends with anyone there. And I, 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 you know, cause I believe you are who you surround yourself with. So I wanted to make sure that every day, you know, I used my hours and, 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 you know, use them correctly and, and, you know, put value behind them. So I used to just go camp out at like Barnes and Noble and just read their books. And so, you know, I was reading my brother's books when I was, you know, 12, you know, 11, 12 And I was reading, you know, crazy stuff like J.P. Morgan's uh, biography and Rockefeller's biography and Henry Ford and like, you know, crazy stuff like that. So I already kind of had that in me. So when I was in that homeless shelter, I would just literally every day go to the bookstore and just read. And um, that's when I got into like Robert Kiyosaki, um, Cashflow Quadrant um and i just got into a lot of like financial stuff but robert kiyosaki really did it for me i remember reading the cash flow quadrant and that was like my first big paradigm shift um it was it was monumental for me I, I you know i never understood uh business until i like read that i was like you know i read a lot of biographies but they didn't really give you what cash flow quadrant did so um, so I always had an affinity there for, you know, the financial world and, um, you know, kind of along my journey, um, you know, in my, you know, further down the road. Uh, I was out of the shelter. I got a room in a house. I was working at a mall and um, I, you know, same thing was just always in the bookstore. And I think I finished reading Cashville Quadrant for like the third time. And uh, mm-hmm. there was this guy reading the book as well. And I went like nuts. And I was like, holy, you're reading Cashflow Quadrant. And uh, he he was laughing and we connected. And he ended up being in a network marketing company that actually still to this day is around. It's called World Financial Group. But back in the day, it was called WMA. And uh, and so I joined it. And that was like all about the financial world, even though they- How old were you? Uh, I think I would have been like, 17? 17? Yeah, I got I got my license. Like I passed all my life insurance and everything. Yeah, I was 17 because I passed it and I had to wait till I was 18 to get my license to you know sell insurance products. But that kind of like brought me into the world. And then um in that journey, you know, I built a really big team, network marketing style. And uh, and along that the way there was this guy named David Singh who started a company called Fortune Financial. And uh, he was worth about 280 million at the time and he became a mentor to me. And, you know, got me deeper into, you know, reading. And so, uh, so he had me read a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, which still to this day is probably the biggest book and most monumental book I ever read. But um, that kind of like set the stage. Then I became an actor. Go figure. And um, did, did pretty well. And uh, my big role, I I landed uh, you know uh, a, a show called Beach Girls, and had a great cast with Rob Lowe and Cloris Leachman and a bunch of really cool people. And then that brought me to L.A. But I always had that affinity for the financial services industry, even when I was an actor, uh, because The Creature from Jekyll Island is such a monumental book. I mean it it was it was incredible because I remember David Singh told me he's like Tyler if you ever want to do anything with money in this lifetime, you got to read this book. And, uh, and I did. And I took like so many notes, but it's like an encyclopedia. And um, yeah, I just was always, even though I was acting, I would still be on YouTube, or I'd still be reading financial books, because it just intrigued me. So yeah, that's, that's kind of that's kind of how I got uh, my start in the, the financial space, so to speak.
0: There's a lot there. I mean, you talking about living in this homeless shelter? Can you vividly remember like every day almost that you were there? Like, was that yeah. something that you were ashamed of at the time? Or was it more of something where you were just confused with life? Like, what, what's going
1: on in your mind during those days? Well, what's pretty funny is um, I actually wrote a journal from the moment I landed um, in in Toronto, And, uh, and, you know, I come from Calgary, it's where I was born and, um, I still have the journal and I actually read it recently. So I do remember it vividly. Um, it was, it was more of a challenge. Like I, I remember, you know, I'm reading in this journal, uh, there was just a lot of talk about like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to become something that they'll, they'll hear me in Calgary from Toronto, you know, and, uh. And so, uh, yeah, I remember it vividly and it was, it was, uh, it was tough. You know, I had to share a room with like homeless people off the street and they'd like rob you in the middle of the night. And it was, it was a pretty gross place. Like, you know, I remember, you know, a blanket I had had like pubes in it and it just, it just sucked, you know, it, it was what it was. And, you know, you get locked out of your room. It was, it was kind of like it was just it was kind of run like a prison but you had the freedom to go out in the world during the day but you had to be back at a certain time and they like locked up your room and it was pretty sobering because the first day and i have it in my journal um it's like communal showers like you don't have like your own close a door it's like a curtain and uh someone you know took a dump in the shower stall Yeah. And I remember I opened the curtain and there's just this pile of like crap and I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) and it sunk in. But um, it wasn't it wasn't that terrible once you kind of knew what the environment was. And they had really good food. Actually, they had like a cafeteria that they fed you like breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I do have to say it's like pretty phenomenal food. It was a really good menu. It was just kind of the roommate situation and sharing the communal bathroom, that was tough. But uh, as you grow in the shelter, which I did, you get your own room. So pretty quickly, I think within like 30 days, I got my own room, which was nice.
0: Yeah, and you're, and you're 16 and you start reading these financial books, one of them being Robert Kiyosaki's book, Yeah. and it just hits you in the right way and you, and you just yep. become attached to entrepreneurship at such a young age. So so you're getting all this personal development during essentially your most defining brain stages, potentially, you know, when most people are just getting into drinking alcohol, getting ready to go to (laughs) college and party, you're straight nerding out at the bookstore, just swallowing this information, shaping you who you are today. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, just knowing what I know about you, you know, and then you mentioned this mentor, David Singh. Yeah. Was, Was that something that like, was it? how did you become mentors with him and did he kind of see something in you or did you have to kind of earn that
1: mentorship? I think it's a combination of both. So, uh, I, I, so in network marketing, I actually did really well, believe it or not. Um, I, uh, I didn't know anybody cause you know, a big thing is you got to build your team. So I came up with a strategy where I went to, uh, um, I went to a job fair and I acted like I was a recruiter and, you know, I realized that a lot of people don't want to be entrepreneurs, but they love a great job. So I basically turned this, you know, uh, World Financial Group opportunity into, and I, I kind of like turned it into like an employee type idea, like this is going to be a great job, great vocation for you, you know, great career path, and, um, and, and I collected all these resumes, but I built a pretty big team, I built 173 guys, uh, I got 23 of them licensed. And so with that, David Singh kind of caught wind of me. And I was young, you know, I I probably at the time when I built the team, I was like 18, you know, probably like late into my 17 going on to 18. And uh, he was trying to create his own network marketing kind of deal. So he kind of like pulled me from World Financial Group over to him. So um, I think I earned my way in the fact that like I built a team and I, you know, I, I I showed promise in what I was building with World Financial Group. And but I also think there was a double, you know, double side to it where I was a value to him. You know, it was like it wasn't like, you know what I mean? He's just out of the kindness of his heart being a mentor. He's like, you know, hoping I'm going to be a guy to come build a big team for him and, you know, bring all my guys over type thing. So it was kind of like both sides. So I got stuff out of it. He got stuff out of it.
0: Yeah. You're providing that value. And when you provide that, when you provide that value, so many doors get opened. And if you guys are listening to this podcast right now, understand that there's so many different ways that you can provide value. And a lot of times people are providing values in ways that doesn't suit, uh, suit their strong suit. You know, they're, they're doing things that, you know, they could be doing something better with the skills they have. And there's a good question you can always ask, you know, what do people naturally come to you for? You know, these are the type of things that you're providing value and you can go build a business doing all these things. And for you, you know, you got you're, you're in network marketing at 17 years old. Now, I got in started network marketing when I was 20 years old. And for me, that was the gateway for me getting involved with our facial recognition startup and it just opened my mind to entrepreneurship and you got that key open real early so at what point did you end up kind of leaving or if if you stayed um leaving network marketing and then opening up a traditional business and what like what did those next say four or five years look
1: like? Well, you know it was it's really interesting and I think that um when you're you know, I, I, you know, I think the strongest thing is our will when you will for something, I think that's the most powerful state of being you can be in. I think that's the most magnetic. I think that's where you're going to attract all the opportunities that you desire is when the will is in place. So my, my, my will, you know, was there to, but it was open. It wasn't like I was dictating how it was going to happen. I just knew that I wanted to do something with my life, you know, And and so when I bounced over to David Singh, you know, I was there, but I just it just wasn't working. I wasn't happy. And uh, and and you get taken advantage of a lot, you know, in network marketing. You know, you got to be careful, but seriously, because, you know, you you recruit people, but then there's all these politics. It's just so I kind of I kind of got burnt out on the that network marketing world. And um, oddly enough, I was going into real estate. And and uh, I was 18 at this point, and I remember going and looking up the top uh, companies, like real estate companies in uh, Toronto, and uh, finding their CEOs' emails and emailing them this articulate email about how I'd like to meet up and you know uh, just pick their brain and, and such. And so I got to meet with like these top CEOs of these big real estate companies. Um, one of them like owns the Eaton center and it's like massive. And this guy was like huge. And my hope was in going to meet with them and pick their brain, hopefully I could get a position. But in doing that, uh, there was a girl that was on my team that, uh, asked me flat out. She's just like, Hey, I understand you're not in the business. I'm like, no, I'm getting into real estate. She's like, well, you ever thought about being an actor? I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. And uh, she's like, please, I've been telling an agent about you for a year now, and I would really like you to meet him if you can just meet him and just see if there's something there. And so uh, I did. And, uh, you know, I I, I went and met with him. And oddly enough, that night, Mandy Moore had like a go see for a movie she was shooting called How to Deal. And they were looking for like her boyfriend's soccer buddies. And um, I went that night and got the role and was sucked into acting so um but that was again me just flowing with life you know I thought I was going to do this real estate thing and then I'm like acting you know just kind of
0: happens what was it about the acting world that really intrigued you was it the challenge or is it something that you kind of always were into
1: you know it was weird um I've always wanted to be an actor. I think, I think a lot of people have that they either want to be like a musician or an act. Like everyone has that kind of dream, not everyone, but a good majority have have that kind of, you know, dream. And so I was one of those kids, but I never thought it was possible. So I never really like, you know, hard pursued it, but um, it was, it was when I showed up to set and I saw the magic of everything. Like I saw the trailers and I saw the, the, like, just, just everything, the sets, the cameras, you know, the cast, it was just like, I was just awestruck. And I remember, and this is kind of how I've led my life to this day, is there was this overwhelming feeling that I couldn't explain. It just felt right. And, uh, I remember I went home that night after, you know, my first encounter on set. And that was my first ever I've ever been on set. And uh, and I I remember writing in my journal the pros and cons of being an actor and and figuring out like (laughs) how bad it's going to get and how good it could get and and deciding. And and that's kind of how it happened. But I would say feelings. I just I just felt like this like, wow, this is what I want to do.
0: It's so cool that you've journaled for so long. I mean, (laughs) journaling is one of those things that I always thought was super lame when I was younger. You're like, I'm not going to journal, bro. Like, what are you talking (laughs) about? But it's like, damn, when the years pass us by and and you think about where your mind's at, especially when you look at past business deals and past relationships, you know, it's interesting to think, where were you at mentally? Where were you at in terms of your way of thinking? So the fact that you were journaling just goes to show that, you know, it's a journey, you know, you're always constantly trying to level up and develop. Um, yeah. I, I know two of, two of my favorite people in the world, Casey and Kylie, you know, they've been journaling forever and they're always telling me I got to journal. So, so maybe right. I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta continue it up. I've been doing something like once a week type of reflections. That's a good starting yeah. point, but everyone should journal. Everyone should look at themselves and see how can they grow? How can they evolve. And for you, you just kind of fell into things that you naturally interested you. But you know, yep. you were doing the acting thing, you're in Hollywood, you're like living the dream in that sense. Yeah. What what sparks you to start, you know, build a business with with financial services and, and if there's anything in between there that you think you should highlight, definitely do so.
1: Sure. So probably one of the biggest things that i've learned on this short j- journey thus far is we life will just be beyond magical when you let go like seriously you know i read obviously thinking girl rich by napoleon hill and you know stephen covey seven habits of highly successful people and you know they're, they're very left-brain uh, strategies, which you know uh, I think don't work as well as right-brain strategies. In the sense that when you stop writing out your goals and you just let life unravel, and you control the things that you can control, which is your spirit, always feeling great, always feeling happy, always being at your your peak mood. Then, leaving the rest to whatever's meant to be, magic unravels. So, um I came down for a pilot season. Um I got an incredible team, like one of the most crazy teams. Like I knew actors that were leads on shows that couldn't even get uh, managed by these people, and I got managed by them. they They have Ashton Kutcher, Demi Moore. Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, like they had everybody, you know, it was like insane. It's like in one of the, it's still to this day I'm one of the best management companies out there for actors. And, um, and so I came down for a pilot season, all the Canadians normally will. And, you know, we all pile up into a hotel and, you know, when pilot season's over, if you didn't land a pilot, you go back to Canada and uh, you know, pretty much you, 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 you be working. And I, I definitely would have been working like, You know, I I think pretty quickly, but I decided not to go back to Canada. And while everyone was leaving, I was packing my stuff up and putting it in my car. And uh, I ended up living in my car. And, uh, you know, people, you know, they always ask, well, man, that must have been miserable. It was actually one of the greatest times ever. It was like camping. And it was amazing because my bar was so low for success. Like, literally, success for me when I was living in my car was if I wake up in Los Angeles, I'm successful. And, you know, and so uh, along the journey, so I, I didn't have my papers, I overstayed my, you know, visa. And so, technically, you know, I, I you know, I was uh, an illegal immigrant, so to speak. And uh, so I, cu- I couldn't work like a regular job. So I had to work like cash jobs. And I worked a bunch of jobs. You know, I had a, I, you know, I worked you know, as a club promoter, which I, I failed at miserably. I had a delivery company where I almost fell asleep on the highway and almost died. And so um, along the journey of, of just trying to grab, you know, footing in Los Angeles, uh, I was, uh, I ended up working for my buddy's tanning studio. And he was generous enough to pay me $1,000 a month cash. And I have no idea how I made it work, but I just somehow survived on $1,000 cash. And uh, and, uh, so I was working at the salon. Uh, I was still reading all the time. I was heavy into meditation. And uh, I was into like Eckhart Tolle, A New World. And, uh, you know, the the whole thing with him and Oprah Winfrey and it was, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. So I was just always had my spirits high. And one evening, uh, this guy comes rolling through with like a box. He's cradling a box and uh, he's all done up. He's got a suit, you know, comes rolls up in a Bentley and uh, we just start talking. And before you know it, I start talking about the creature from Jekyll Island and like, you know, where currency started, and 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 how we're on a fiat system, and central banking, and you know IMF, and like you start going you know to town on on this conversation, and halfway through he's chuckling and he goes, "You want to see what's in this box?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, man. What's what's in the box?" And no word of a lie, uh, it had to have been about half a million dollars worth of gold, and it was gold coins. And of all gold coins, it was Canadian maple leaves. And he took five of them and he put them on my hand and he's like, that's what I do. He's like, I turn people's money into gold. I was like, what? I didn't even know you could do this. Like, I thought it was only reserved for like the extremely wealthy or the royal royalty or royal family or like, I just, I didn't think that gold could be purchased um, you know, on an individual level, like just a regular Joe could own gold, like real gold. So, um, I put him in his tanning bed and he tried to leave and I was like, no, 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 no. You know, I've always had mentors my whole life. So, you know, I, I asked him, I'm like, Hey, can I get your card? You know, I'd love to stay in touch. I'd love to, you know, uh, get some advice, you know, kind of just what you would do to find a mentor. And so he gave me his card and right when he left, like, I just started researching on the internet, looking them up that night. I went home. I'm like looking it all up. And I called the next day and they didn't put me through to him, but they gave me his email. And, uh, I still have the email that I wrote him, but I wrote him like this really articulate email about, you know, how I hope to be him one day. And, you know, any advice that he has any recommendations on books, anything he recommends, And uh, probably within like an hour, an hour and a half, I get a reply, and it was like a simple sentence, and it said, I recommend experience. Quit your job and come work for me. And so I did. And uh, he ran a precious metals company, and I started off as his assistant, and he paid me $300 a week. So. Not that much more than uh, I was making. As an assistant
0: with this guy, is he giving you front row seats into the day-to-day of, of his business? Is he Did he do precisely exactly what you're doing today?
1: No, no, no. So this guy, this guy was a wreck. Um, it turns out uh, along the journey, I found out that he was bipolar, but he was self-medicated. So like drugs and alcohol. It was honestly, it was like a circus coming to work. Uh, he was, he was, he, it was wild. It was wild. He would, I, I I'll, I'll never forget, like, cause I, I just always want to, to give my 100 to anything I do, even if I'm your assistant. And I remember he would just be silent all day, would not talk to me. And he would slap post-it notes on the end of his desk for things for me to do. And I would grab a post-it note and I would read it. And then I would just confirm to make sure I'm doing the right thing with him. I'd be like, Hey, just want to make sure, is this what you want me to do? And he would literally look up from his computer, stare at me silently, shake his head and go back to his computer. That was like, that was my journey with this guy. And, uh, and it was just, it was just a wild story. Like I would just, I'd come in and there'd be like this huge thing of vodka on his desk and he'd be in his pajamas. Like he's just, it was just weird. But I really loved the the, the whole industry, and uh, I don't know how how it happened, but one day, you know, within about 30 days of being his assistant, he let me be a broker. And when I was a broker, I had a real simple strategy, and that was uh, stay on the phone as long as humanly possible, so I didn't have to deal with him. And all I would do is just regurgitate the creature from Jekyll Island. Like I just, I couldn't wait to get on the phone to talk to people about the creature from Jekyll Island. And it was like three hour, four hour conversations. And, uh, and, and, you know, my first month as a broker, I ended up making $10,000 in commissions. And like, it was just, that was when I knew like, I and, and I, I knew it even before then, like, I just, I'm like, I found what I meant to do. And I, I find it very odd that I was groomed for this, you know, at the tender age of, you know, 17 going on 18, you know, Um, I just find it so odd that I go out of my way to become an actor, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden I'm just thrown into this industry that connects everything that happened to me. And I attribute that to, like I said, I just hit a point where, I was just happy to be in Los Angeles and I was letting life just be whatever it was meant to be. You know, if I wrote my story back then, I'd have like been an actor and got a pilot and been on a show, but because I wasn't in control, I literally, am living on a thousand dollars a month cash. I just had to let life unravel and that's what unraveled for me.
0: It's cool because you went from, you know, being in a homeless shelter to making some money, doing the network marketing deal, building a big team to going yeah. into acting, thinking everything's on the come up. Like, all right, that's all behind me. Next thing you know, boom, you're back homeless. But now your attitude <laughs> is just on a whole nother level. You're smiling, you're laughing. How, you, yeah. how old are you during those days?
1: Ah, oh, man, I think I was, I want to say 23, 24. You're 23, 24. 2008, I'm 35 today. Do the math. Right. September 2008. Too much math right now. Too much math. I hate math. I I think I was like, yeah, 23, 24. Probably 24. Which is do you the know, math
0: we'll figure it out <laughs> which i love i, I love living in san diego personally because you can't really tell the difference between a broke college kid and a homeless person i mean <laughs> I, th- there is so many cool people that are just living out of their car surfing every yeah. day living the yeah. life living rent free man when i lived in san francisco i mean i was paying 16.50 a month and that was like cheap because i was in h street and that was under rent control. And I'd always like have to step over a homeless person every morning, like when I got out of my house. And I'm like, damn, for 1650, I could probably get like a Bellagio style tent. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I've always thought that there's a certain level of, of, of homelessness that, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. But with that said, you know, your mindset has always been so positive that, You've just attracted yeah. amazing situations. You saw this opportunity with this guy and you just said, screw it, I'm gonna work for him. And before you know it, you start selling something that you're interested in. There's so many salespeople. And first of all, if you're if, if you're a living human on earth, you're a salesperson, right? Everybody is a salesperson in some way, shape or form, but they're there just not know. selling the right thing. They're not selling what they're super passionate about. You're well, on they the they might fo- not be good at it. <laughs> Right. But if they're, I mean, they're probably really good at telling you how they're not good at it and maybe that's what they're good. (laughs) Yeah. But you find this passion and this gold in this book that you read that like you could just talk about forever anyways. Yeah. And you're just naturally in flow and you're just feeling good. So at what point do you just say, okay, I just made $10,000, which is probably, I'm assuming, the most money you made at that time in a month.
1: At what point? Oh, are you yeah. I've like, never could, made that much.
0: Where do, how do I start scaling this thing? Where does the thoughts go there?
1: So, you know, the journey was really rough working for this guy. Um, you know, uh, the, also the financial collapse happened, you know, two, 2008. I was, I was like right in, like, I just pretty much started the business and, you know, the f- great financial collapse happens. And, um, and so I, I, I you know, I had my first month as a broker and this guy's just really abusive to me. And, um, you know, he used to, <laughs> I'd be on the phone and you'd have to like, mute the phone say what the client's saying so you'd be like hey Mr. Johnson and then you'd have to mute and you'd go hey Tyler how are you and you have to like keep like going back and forth and then this guy would tell you what to say and you'd have to like say if it was just a big cluster and I remember this guy's like such a temper if I got one word wrong or I didn't say it right he'd hang up the phone and send me home so this is like my buddy, Mr. Johnson, who we just had like a three-hour chat the other day, you know, about the creature from Jekyll Island, and he loves me, and we're, you know, we're connecting, and then he's hanging up, and I got to go home, and I remember I was getting sent home so much, and I, I begged him, I'm just like, can I please just work? I just want to work, and um, I remember it was so embarrassing getting kicked out so many times. Remember one time uh, you know I'm a grown man, but we all have our moments. I was like bawling my eyes out because uh, he kicked me you know off the floor again and uh, I remember I took the crate elevator down because I was bawling my eyes out and I didn't want the front desk to like see me. so I like snuck out the back and I just remember I just was I found what I absolutely loved, but I was being held back substantially from being able to to be uh, the full me. You know, so I knew in my heart, kind of like you know, my first day on set, um, I just knew, and I'm like, this is what I'm meant to do, but I'm not meant to do it in this direction. And that's when, by the end of the year, December, so it was the holidays, I started putting a, an LLC together, and you know, basically gave birth to Regal Assets. And, uh, you know, I got a crappy car with some of the money I earned working for them, And then, you know, I had about $5,000 that I built Regal assets on. So I think 3000 went to build the website and then I had like, you know, I found, I found a great place for rent that was, you know, I think it was like $275 a month. It was like a little broom closet, but whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, it was just basically coming into 2009. It was me in a room with a computer Trying to make the phone ring, and uh, and and so that's that's kind of kind of how how it evolved. But uh, I just I think it just started from absolutely loving what I was doing. Just didn't like the environment, and right. risk took a risk, a really big risk.
0: So where is, so just again I kind of get an overview real quick, where is Regal Assets out today?
1: So uh, in, in what regard?
0: In terms of, you know, how big is Regal Assets now? Like how much money has moved through your company? Because, sure. you know, right now we just got the snapshot of where it began. You're in this yeah. room. It's the, it's the American dream. You know, you rent yeah. out the little studio and you're like, time to get going. Just yeah. get, give the listeners where
1: you're at right now. Sure, so um, we currently have offices in uh, Toronto. We have an office in Dubai. Uh, We're opening up an office in London. Uh, We've done uh, over a half a billion dollars in uh, investments for our our clients, our private and institutional uh, clients. And um, we've added uh, new product lines. So we started with metals, but uh, we, got actually, which was, you know, a really big moment in my life as well, is when we opened our office in Dubai, um, when I was in Dubai, so I lived in Dubai for about half a year, I was just so hung up on cryptos, you know, and and I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. So we started lobbying with the government there, um, the DMCC, who kind of runs the commodities um, for, uh, you know, the UAE and uh and so basically we just lobbied with them worked with them and we convinced them that cryptos is actually a commodity and uh we ended up getting the still to this day the one and only license to legally sell cryptos in the middle east Mm -hmm. and uh we you know helped coin the name so it's a crypto commodity license and we're the one and only that received it and uh they, they did like a whole celebration for us and uh, a ceremony where they gave us, you know, and, and we, we had a shack and it was, it was really Did cool. You fly Did out you, there? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. For the ceremony. No, I was already in the U S it's one heck of a flight. So no, no, I, I had my, my team in, in Dubai except the, uh, the license. But, uh, with that being said, that allowed us to expand our product line, uh, to add cryptos to our offering and, you know, helping us become an alternative assets company, you know, when I started Regal Assets, it wasn't just about metals. Metals is absolutely my love, but it's it's more alternative assets and and what it brings and and so um, so yeah, we 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 become an alternative assets company, which is super exciting, and uh, and and you know we're growing our product line as well, and uh, just kind of along the journey, really exciting things happen. You know, we became an Inc. 500 company uh, the same year as Pandora, which was really exciting. And, uh, I got a, an invite to Necker Island, uh, which was really insane, uh, as a very select, uh, invite only group that got, uh, brought down. And it was, it was about blockchain and alternative assets and, uh. I was one of the people. There were three people that were chosen to speak in front of the group, and uh, you know, I was was one of them. And in front of Richard Branson, it was was pretty wild. And and uh, and then just recently, last year, I got invited into the Forbes Finance Council, so uh, which has been just a tremendous honor. So uh, yeah, we've 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 grown tremendously, and extremely grateful. And uh, I I I stay grounded because you know it's uh, I'm a young guy, and you know I'm more about uh, you know what what impact I'm going to leave and, 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 you know, you know, what I'm going to leave behind, you know, real wealth, which is I think impacting lives or making a difference or, you know, making change. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of our story quick, the, 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 quick of it. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you level up so
0: quickly and, and it's cool because yeah. your, your personal development met the level you're at, you know, a big issue that happens is people might make a lot of money at a young age, but, if their personal development isn't right and their head's not right, you know, they'll they'll blow it faster than you can, you know, potentially blow it. You know, they just don't maintain that. And you just kind of have always been the type of person that you've been doing this development since 16 years old that you're equipped to lead teams that are massive teams that are older than you. And now you feel comfortable to be able to scale and follow your dreams. You've seen that your thoughts are things so many times that you just believe it to be. And that's what it seems like most of the successful people that I've encountered is that they just truly believe that when they have a thought that they can actually make it happen, which is crazy. And you mentioned Necker Island, you know, my buddy, Matt Morrow, he was on the podcast. He explained this story how, you know, he had just had a company get shut down. He's like super like bummed out. He gets invited into a poker uh, tournament, Daniel Negrano's celebrity poker tournament. He ends up playing poker with these guys. And ends up winning the thing like he's Holy. like an average player and the prize <laughs> is the is a all exclusive trip to Necker Island. Oh, and no way. <laughs> so he's sitting next to Branson becomes homies yeah. with them and he's just like you just never it's all about flow and just being yeah. in that in that vibes. And I one thing that I'm, is really impressive about your business and I know that you're really proud about it, whenever I, if someone talks about this, your eyes light up is <laughs> is the amount of positive reviews people have on your business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. In today's world, reviews are everything. I mean, when I go on Amazon Prime, I'm only shopping based on reviews to the point where I actually get critical of our 4.6 versus 4.7 because I'm like, oh, you know? So it's like, how important are reviews in today's world when selling any sort of product or business online, would you say?
1: Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you this. I am very fortunate because... When I started my business, not having money was such a benefit um, because I had to learn the grassroots, old school techniques of growing a business, which was uh, superior customer service. You know, I used to drive up locally to meet my clients and deliver their medals if they lived locally and shake their hand and like. I just, you know, I remember that was all that I could do because I I couldn't be on radio. I couldn't be on television. You know, I had a marketing budget of $2,000. So, you know, I had to learn the grassroots. And the most important thing I believe in a business is collecting testimonials and doing it right, though, real testimonials. I think there's people that try to take a shortcut and they'll hire someone to write a bunch for them. And. You know, but but collecting like real genuine testimonials I I think is paramount, especially in this day and age. But, you know, like real ones, like never, ever try. you know, I'm sure there's companies out there that will write reviews for you and, and, and make you look good. But like people can read through those. But getting good, genuine ones, it allows you to one, look at your business and see what you're doing right. And, you know, the platform that we gave is open so they can say negative things and uh and and they have and i've always posted them on our website uh even the negative ones because you you learn and you grow from them but uh i I, it's it's paramount i mean i I, you know i start i found a platform um because i was collecting them via email you know, or the client would email you or they'd send it like write it or whatever. Um, but in 2010, like I found a platform where I could actually have the client go on, you know, sign up for an account, leave a review. And, uh, and, and I didn't know because in 2010, I don't think reviews were so prominent, were so important, but now looking at today, it's everything. I mean, I, I, i I will not buy a product unless I read the reviews. And the funny part is I go read the negative reviews, you know, over the positive reviews, because, you know if I'm looking at reviews, I already like the products. And now I just want to go to the negatives. So I think even uh, believe it or not, negative reviews uh, can help your company as well because it shows that you're a genuine company. It shows where your issues are. Now if you're getting tons of negative, that's obviously a bad thing. But I think reviews in general, are very, very, are like paramount. It's like, you you can't be a business today. It's almost like not having a website. If you don't have reviews on your company, I just think that you're you're just limiting yourself, beyond limiting yourself.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that back in those days when you didn't have a marketing budget, the only thing you could market is you. Yeah, That's such a major key. That's such a golden nugget right there. (laughs) Because, you know, people have to realize they are their own brand. You are your biggest advocate, and that is- That you can't put a price on, you know, being yeah. able to just show up at someone's door, give them a smile and make them have an experience that they just don't forget is something yeah. that every one of us is capable of doing, you know, going above and beyond. And yeah. obviously, now that you've scaled and you are being able to do the volume you have, I am curious, though, in terms of advertising. Besides word of mouth advertising, what have you found has been the best method for advertising for regal assets?
1: Oh, my goodness. So the biggest breakthrough I stumbled upon, believe it or not. So um, in the beginning stages, I I learned online marketing. Um, I learned like old school SEO techniques, which was like article submission lists. So you write an article and then you go and you copy and paste it hand paste it onto thousands of sites that are free. Like they'll just post your article for free. And uh, I remember I would, I I just was doing that and uh, eventually I found a marketer and uh, he helped rebuild our website, you know, make it, you know, smooth with Google search engines and SEO appropriate and all of that. Um, But about a year in, I discovered that this guy was doing black hat SEO and One day we woke up because Google is constantly evolving. um, They had a Panda update that just crushed all our rankings and I lost everything. And I was paying this guy like pretty hefty at this point. I was paying him like maybe $30,000 a month and he's making more than me. Um, But, you know, again, we were getting the results. So it made sense. But anyways, lost it all overnight. It's like I flushed that money down the toilet and it was at that point where i stuck with my old you know that i've had since i was a kid and that is you know if 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 i can help someone get to where they want to be then i'm going to get to where i want to be and so you know the business at that point in time i was i was doing pretty well i think i was making like twenty thousand dollars a month and uh and i remember coming up you know i was always still reading i really admired amazon And I remember coming up with an idea, you know, where, what if I could share this opportunity with people and I could be their back office. So they'll, they'll market, they'll do the website, they'll do, you know, everything. And I will close the deal for them, get everything done, do the paperwork and then cut them in on the, on the profit. And so, uh, I came up with this idea, you know, it's essentially what Amazon is. Uh, It's a big affiliate program. So I started an affiliate program. And, uh, to start it, I went and found like the biggest online marketer I knew and pitched him my idea and got him on board and basically, you know, discovered that I had to build technology to support the idea. Cause no one's going to send you leads and do all this marketing unless they have certain things in place. You know, they, they need, you know, certain tools and certain analytics and all of that. So, um, I took about a year to uh, FM programmers and built it from scratch. And, uh, I announced, you know, with, with my big online marketer, um, you know, our platform and, uh, it was, uh, it was about October, 2012 that we launched it. And by January, 2013, we were already paying, you know, uh, marketers like one marketer. I paid him like $30,000 and it exploded. And uh, to this day, we have about 8,000 marketers on the platform from all over the world that drive us traffic on a rev share basis. They'll build websites, they'll they'll do podcasts, they'll do blogs, they'll do, you know, all sorts of stuff, uh, social media, whatever it is. And then uh, we've got uh, this technology that we built, this proprietary technology. Uh, uh, back end that allows them to just track everything and see everything and see what's going on. And, uh, and that's what exploded my business. Just literally taking the opportunity that changed my life. Cause when, when I started Regal Assets, I, I literally just wanted to make $3,000 a month and survive. Like that was it. I was not like, oh, I'm gonna be a millionaire. I, I just was like, I love what I'm doing. If I can make $3,000 a month for the rest of my life and just survive, I'm going to be so happy and you know i got more than that and you know it's it's when i was able to share this and include multiple people into the story and 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 expand all the people that were benefiting from being connected to regal that's when things just went through the roof and again that's the old saying like you know if you look at really successful uh musicians you know uh, definitely in the in the music industry a lot of these guys bring their friends with them, you know, and they'll, you know, they, they bring them up with them and they put them on their label or, you know, the more people connected to their success, the, the bigger these people become. And and I think that in general, that's that's how life is in business. If you're impacting thousands of lives in a very positive way because they're connected to your story, I feel like you've got really a high probability of becoming successful. And so, yeah, I just I think on a on a very simplistic scale, I just figured out how to share the opportunity and pay 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 it out correctly, you know.
0: So today if I wanna make side cash, for example, I could go and start doing Lyft driving or Uber driving. Yeah. But you made it so that I could literally go to your site and just become an affiliate for free. Yeah. And then if I can basically, you know, make a sale or if you would convert someone's 401k to IRA to gold, then you would just pay them a flat commission utilizing your platform. Exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah. And we, and we basically do, do all the work for them. Like a lot of people don't realize, and this is what I feel. I think I'm a little ahead of my time. You know, when I first started my business, no one really knew what an SEO was. An SEO, oddly enough, in 2009 was not a common term. Insiders knew online marketers knew, but it was not common. And today, everyone knows what an SEO is, you know. And every major company has an in-house SEO team, or, or you know, at least a third party. Everyone has an SEO, you know what I mean? And and it's like imperative, especially in business today. And I feel like affiliates is going to be is, is that future, you know? It's it's already a big part, but I think it's going to be even bigger. And I I see like network marketing. Is is this is kind of the evolution of network marketing is affiliate marketing and if you look at Amazon it's the biggest company in the world I would say we at least the richest guy in the world uh, Bezos, um, it's a, it's an affiliate program you know I have eight thousand affiliates that have driven me probably three hundred million in referrals uh, three hundred million plus at this point point. Um, and that's just eight thousand you know people from all over the world uh, Jeff has like eighty million. You know, and, and, you know, he has this platform, Amazon, that they can all connect to, and people do extremely well promoting Amazon. And I think that, you know, in, in, in these coming times, businesses are going to see how important having an affiliate is. It's going to be just as essential as having an SEO.
0: Yeah, man. Affiliate marketing is the, the wave. It's like you look at yeah. companies like Stripe. I remember at one point, no, no, it was Venmo. Venmo is paying you $5 every time you'd recommend a friend. Yeah, yeah. Which must have, must have required a huge upfront cost. But I mean, once you start using their, their app, I, I use Venmo to pay my bills. I use Venmo to pay yeah. everything. If you go to the bar and you got to pay your boy a day, like $10 for a drink, you pull out Venmo and the financial market's moving so, so quick. Yeah. Uh, question. Yeah. Do you ever lose passion in gold and silver and finance and, and a little farther than that. And I mean, like when you're doing something for so long, you know, you have this huge organization and you're running it, running the ship. Do you ever feel, do you have days that like, you don't want to go do anything. You don't want to go and and work today. Like, like sometimes people look at someone who's super successful and just think like, are they human? Like, do you ha- do you have days where you don't want to talk to anybody? You just want to be by yourself. And have you ever lost passion, or either temporarily or a long time, in what you're doing?
1: You know that would, that's a really great question, my man. And uh, and and let me tell you, just being completely open and honest, absolutely have I had those days. In fact, when I became you know uber successful with this platform we created. Um, you know, this is common in business too. So get used to this as well. You business owners get a great lawyer always because your competitors will find any way to come and sue you and make your life miserable. And um, I became so dominant in, uh, you know, our industry. I actually broke Google because, you know, Google has rules for SEO. Like you can only rank for one of the top five. Your URL can only rank once. Well, cause we had this army, we were the first page and even the second page, you couldn't, there was not a link that didn't mention us. And so our comp- my competitors were so upset because they didn't know what, what was going on. So nine of them sue me. And <laughs> I remember I, I was pulling all-nighters fighting these lawsuits. They were suing affiliates. I refused to let affiliates get sued. So I was taking on their legal bills. You know, I remember I was spending like, you know, on one, one month I spent a half a million dollars defending, you know, what I built. And it was difficult because I was so, I took it like, this is my baby. So I, I, it was, I was so involved as pulling all nighters, you know, uh, cause I'd work during the day to get all the work stuff done. And then at night I'm getting all the legal stuff done. And so, uh, it went on for so long that I ended up burning myself out and I didn't know you could do that in business. And it took me quite a while to get back into the groove because, you know, the the when you work so hard, it doesn't matter how much you love something, you will burn yourself out. And so, uh, yeah, I burn I burned myself out. Um, thank goodness I won these lawsuits, and you know they ended up just trying to copy my idea, which is hilarious. But um, it took it took some time to repair. And still to this day, there's days where I just will not want to work. And I think that that's important for any entrepreneur to follow. If you don't want to work for the day, that's the beauty of being your own boss. As long as you delegate your work and you make sure that the things that need to be taken care of are taken care of, take that day off. Because the worst thing you can do as an entrepreneur is burn yourself out. And I can tell you, I'm a passionate guy. I work really, really hard. And I didn't think it would happen to me. And it happened to me. And so, yeah, absolutely. There's there's been days where I didn't want to work. There's been days where I've taken a week off. There's been days where, you know, just but uh, you learn as well as you grow in business to, you know, have your army in place and to just trust them. And 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 that was another difficult thing for me. I was very hands-on. I'm a perfectionist. And, um, you know, in the last probably three or four years, I've really learned the importance of delegation to not burn yourself out. And uh, I take the same lesson I learned and my top people, you know, that like my right-hand people I rely on, like if they weren't there, our business, you know, would have some hiccups. Uh, I make sure that they get that vacation time and, you know, they they get those days off and, you know, that they're not overworked and I make sure they're not working and I make, I check in and I'm like, you're not working, right? And, uh, you know, at the end of the year, I try to make sure that, you know, our team has, you know, three or four weeks off um, so that they can recharge. So uh, to answer your question, absolutely uh, there are times where I don't want to work. And uh, more importantly, as an entrepreneur, you should absolutely... Be aware that you can burn yourself out and believe it or not, sometimes you can't come back from burning out and you you, you sometimes have to move on from something you love. So, you know, as much as you love something, you've got to have that balance. Don't burn yourself out like I did. But uh, there, there you can recover. And uh, it's 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 been a long road of, of, you know, recovery. And I think switching up scenery, too, is nice to to switch it up with Dubai and all that kind of, you know, helped. But um, the answer is yes, 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 yes. And if you're, uh, you know, a hardworking entrepreneur, I'm, I'm sure you understand the the burnout. And you got to enjoy that journey.
0: Yeah. You know, like you got you, you to gotta love it when it's when it's low, when you're making that thousand a month, two thousand a month, yeah, three thousand a month. Yeah, absolutely. Like you got to be ecstatic. You got to love it. You got to love being an entrepreneur because, I mean, it's so easy to talk to one negative person and just get plagued and
1: stop believing in yourself, you know? Yeah, you know... So it's so funny when you say enjoy the journey, um, you know, something that, uh, there's a book called the alchemist. I think everyone should read. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a classic. And in the alchemist, it's about this guy that ends up selling a sheep. It's been, it's been a while since I've, I've read it, but basically ends up selling a sheep, uh, cause he has a dream that there's this place where there's this treasure and um, along the like journey of trying to get to this location, to find this like treasure, he like learns how to run a business. He meets the like woman of his dreams. And at one point he he learns how to turn things into gold. He becomes an alchemist. And uh, by the time he gets to this treasure, like he's got the woman of his dreams, he knows how to run a business, he can turn things into gold. This treasure was like icing on the cake. And, you know, the big thing that I got out of that book is exactly what you said, like, enjoy the journey, because believe it or not, everything happens on the journey, not the destination. You know, when you get to your destination of whatever you want to do in life, that should be icing on the cake. But you might even get to that destination and realize that's actually not what you wanted. But if you enjoy that journey, it won't even matter because you would have gathered so much in getting there that you'll easily be able to change course and, and go to your next, you know, location or your next destination. And so enjoy the journey is absolute, you know, you, you couldn't have said it better. You really do, because that's where it's all going to happen. That's where you're going to meet your people. It's where you're going to learn your gifts. That's where you're going to read your good books. It's where you're, that's where you build, you know, if we just, you know, went straight to our destinations in life, I think all of us would be miserable.
0: Right. right. And, and you know, Tyler, I love asking this question to any successful human, whether that be whether they're a huge conservationist and they're saving cheetahs or if they're, you know, helping and build organizations that are helping the planet or building huge network marketing businesses, whatever. But it's typically, you know, if you could have went back in time and you could have whispered maybe one, two or three philosophies to yourself, it could be some sort of uh, statement, something that would save you a lot of time and money. And it can't be, I wouldn't change anything, because that's just a lame (laughs) answer, right? Yeah. And typically, I'd say, like, after college, because I I find for the majority of people, it's right after college when people are like, oh, shit, like, it's about to get real. What would you say to maybe your 16-year-old self? Because I feel like you're on your own at 16. You got a lot going on in in your brain, you know, probably feeling pretty scared at times, maybe feeling alone, lonely. Yeah. For sure. What are maybe one, two or three things you can hover in front of you? Your 16-year-old self thinks he's on drugs. He's like, what the? He's like, nah, man, <laughs> I, got, I got 30 seconds, bro. Let's do it. Like, it. But it doesn't have to be 30 seconds. What are some things that you would tell yourself?
1: Number one, like number, 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 number one, without question. Um, it is why I'm where I am today. And that is control your mood at all times. Your mood is absolutely paramount to anything you're asking for in life. People think they have to write down a goal. People think that they have to pray or say it out loud. Like you don't understand when you just think of something that you desire. If you are in the right state of being, you're at your peak level, your peak mood, you will attract that thing to happening. And I equate it to so many people you know, ask for so much, like, it's just, it's just human nature. They either pray, they write it down, they think about it, whatever it is, we desire all the time as, 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 as beings. And you know, I equate it to all these people wishing for all these great things. It's like, uh, ordering things from Amazon. Um, but being in a terrible mood, it's like never opening your door to receive the package. And getting pissed off and saying Amazon doesn't work, you know, like, you can't get an Amazon package unless you open your door, even if they leave it on your doorstep, you're not going to see unless you open your door. And I think when you're negative and you're down and, you know, in the dumps, it's like ordering Amazon and never answering your door and wondering why it doesn't work. When you're in your peak mood, that's like always having your door open and getting all your Amazon packages at all times. So I would say uh, number number one is no matter what your situation is, work as hard as you absolutely have to to be at your peak mood because when you're at your peak mood, you become magnetic and not just magnetic in the sense of people want to be around you, magnetic in the sense of your thoughts become a reality so much faster and it's just so unbelievably important and I had so many circumstances where I could have been down but I chose to be The peak mood I could possibly be at, given that circumstance. And when I say peak mood, I also speak about your inner dialogue. A lot of us don't realize that we have negative inner dialogue. And, you know, you want to monitor that inner dialogue. You know, you may be feeling great or whatever, but your inner dialogue may be saying negative things and you've got to learn to monitor that as well. So, uh, but it all ties into being in your peak, peak mood. So that's, uh, that's number one. Um, number two, these are, this is a great, this is a great, this is great by the way. Number two would be, you know, I believe that there's two laws in this world. There's man-made law, which probably changed today multiple times, you know, some High profile lawyer went to court and changed the law and, you know, and and you know, use case law to change it and adjust it. Like it's just constantly changing. There's no one that can possibly keep up on man made law. This thing is so, changes so rapidly at so many times, it'd be impossible. And then there's eternal law. This is law that has never changed. A lawyer can't go into court and change gravity or we would cease to exist. We'd all be floating and this, this space wouldn't work. And so I would say that, you know, the most important thing is to learn the eternal laws that never change. You know, learn what those are because you have, you learn them once and then you never have to learn them again, you know? And, and, and one of the universal laws is gravity. You know, learn the laws that have never, ever changed, cannot change and are eternally changeless and, and, and use those laws to move yourself forward in life. Because if everyone educated themselves on eternal law, we wouldn't need man-made law, as odd as that sounds. So I would say, you know, educate yourself on eternal law. Um, that, that, that'd be number two. And then number three is... That's deep, by the way. I feel like you would
0: find number your answer, number two, written on some ancient <laughs> Egyptian, hi- Egyptian hieroglyphics buried in some tomb somewhere.
1: Yeah, but what's great is once you find it and you learn it, that's it. You know, it, you don't have to continue to study it. It's like these laws have never changed. They've been around, you know, since the existence of, of mankind, you know? And I think that n- number two will, will pretty much unravel a whole, you know, uh, a rabbit hole for you to go down and, and, and you know, we'll, we'll give you a number three and a number four and a number five, and number six, and number seven, and number eight. But I would say number three, and I think it, it, it goes back to number one, is we were thrown into this unbelievable existence and we were given a compass, and that compasses our feelings. And I would say never, ever, ever. And it takes time. Like this is a, one, a very hard thing to do. This is not like a simple, you know, this, is, this takes practice. This is like really takes practice. It takes sometimes people half their life. Sometimes people, you know, learn this at the ends of their life. Sometimes people don't even learn this. But your compass is your feelings. If you ever don't feel right about something, Whatever it is—a relationship, a business, uh, 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 you know, scenario, uh, a business deal, uh, you know, whatever it is—if something doesn't feel right, listen to it and follow it. Do not listen to your head, because your head is so quick to come in and talk you out of that feeling. You know, of of you know, you gotta follow those feelings. If something, for some reason, you just don't feel right, you owe it to yourself to follow that feeling. That is your compass. You've been given in this life. Follow it, learn to use it, and uh, and and you know you you will do great things.
0: Man, I feel like I got to name this this podcast episode the Golden Compass. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name. Now, Ty, this is like the last flagship thing I, I love listening and hearing people's perspectives on, and it comes down to you know someone right now that's currently working, say a nine to five job. Uh, doing either something they hate, where you know they're maybe undervalued, they don't feel like they're making what they deserve, or they're just you know living a life of just day in day out doing the same thing every day, and they just don't feel like they're building their skills. Uh, or on the flip side, someone's working a nine to five, making a hell of cash, like crushing it, smashing it, like they got a great lifestyle, they got a great house, they got a great family. But you know, they they're doing it cuz they're good at it and they don't feel like at the end of the day, even though they're in a really comfy mattress, they just don't feel like, you know, maybe they want to go rescue animals and just and do something totally different or start some sort of business. But deep down inside, they have self-doubt. They're scared. They don't know what to do. Like they don't know what's going to happen. What would you say to that person that's like right on the cusp of jumping into entrepreneurship for the first time
1: and You know, why would you say that? Uh, Well, I would say this personally, someone that's doing really well financially. Right. But they hate what they're doing. I think that that's such an easier decision for them to take the leap because they probably have some type of financial stability and, you know, they've, they've got that in place. So Those people really have no excuse but to jump and take the leap. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, you know, for those that, um, you know, are in a job and they're not making as much as they would like, and um, they're scared to take the leap, I would say to them, life is about calculated risk, I believe. And, you know, don't just jump into something, you know, take steps, small steps, to see if this is what you're meant to do. What I've discovered in life is when something that's meant to be is happening, it actually happens easily and it just unravels beautifully. Like there's not a struggle. You're not putting a square into, uh, you know, a round hole. You know, you're not putting a, a square peg into a round hole. Like it, it, it just all, it's just beautiful. So what I would say to that individual that's working a job where they're not being paid enough and You know, they want to be an entrepreneur, but, you know, probably don't have the financials. I would say take small steps, whatever they are, um, to to see if it's it's a road for you to go down. So when I say take small steps, it doesn't mean necessarily like, oh, you got to go start something. Like go to a business meeting, find a mentor, Um, just take a small step. Because if you take that small step and let's say you go to a business meeting, And then all of a sudden you meet a mentor and you're meeting with him every week and you're discussing books like this is the world opening up and saying, here is the road for you to go down because you got to understand you got to crawl before you can walk. And, you know, look, there's an anomaly for everything. Right. You know, this isn't the holy gospel, but I think for a majority of people. You know, you you can't be at a job that's not paying you well and then all of a sudden go and start a booming company. I mean, it happens. Don't get me wrong. But it's 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 not usual. Like it's not you know, it's not normal. But what is normal is someone starts going to meetings or gets a mentor or starts reading business books. Whatever it is, take some type of step down that road and, you know, you will eventually hit a place where it's time. You know, and uh, I was going to tell you how I built regal assets, believe it or not, is and this comes to universal law, you know, eternal law. I truly believe if you put, you know, there, there's a great song by Macklemore called 10,000 Hours. And I think it's um, I think it's like a, that's, I, I should know that I think it's outliers or it's one of the Malcolm McDowell books about putting 10,000 hours into something, you're guaranteed results pretty much like you're guaranteed success. And so for me, like with Regal Assets, I just put 16 hours a day into Regal Assets, six hours a day. I didn't care if I had to. If I had to sit for five hours submitting articles, as long as it involved Regal Assets, I knew I was moving forward. So I would say that for those people that you know can't just tomorrow go start a business, start putting in the hours, start adding getting to the ten thousand hours, and start whatever it is you're reading a book about what you want to do, or you're going to a business meeting, or you have lunch with a mentor. These are hours that are being put toward. This thing you're asking for, you know, and uh, the, the the analogy I use and, and I think applies to this is I believe we're all in God's store in the game of life. And he's like, you can have anything you want in this store. And, uh, you know, uh, we grab that thing that we want. And we're like here. He's like, great. All you got to do is pay for it. And I feel like how we pay for it is by putting in those hours toward what we want to do. So that would be my answer. And like I said, for that person that's financially well off, they can accelerate those hours because they can quit and they can actually start putting 16 hours a day into into that avenue. And I would say those people should take the plunge, but the other ones should take calculated risks, if that makes any sense. Love that answer.
0: That was awesome.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, Tyler. We're off on a tangent, but I think you got it. Tangents
0: is what this is all about, man. I mean, it's <laughs> it's real. It's real, and that's the biggest thing. You're real, and for the people listening, like this is some real life, freaking bombs, nuggets. I mean, like, what can we all ask for? Is then for this to change one person's life? You know, to push one person over that fence to really change their life. Because you know, it's that one person that believed in you. Even you know, you mentioned the guy you worked for. You know, he had his issues. But hey, he believed in you. He gave you an opportunity and you took it and you ran with it. You know, just one person out there is all you need. You're one person away from having your whole life change. And it's, it's so exciting. So, yeah. so Tyler, how can people follow the, the, the journey of Tyler Gallagher
1: and or <laughs> Regal Assets? You know, I've I've never been a big social media guy. I don't know why. I just I just haven't. Um I, I recently got on LinkedIn, so uh I, I can be found on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's it. I don't have an Instagram, I don't have, you know, uh I, I have a Facebook, but it literally just sits and collects dust. Um but I, I would say LinkedIn. LinkedIn for sure.
0: Damn man, you're probably so productive. <laughs>
1: I just, you know, I, I think that it has its 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 uh, time and place for individuals, and I, I I look at it as an amazing tool. It's a tool I just don't use, you know. I I build differently um, my company, but you know I think it's an absolute ness necessity, uh, and and the power of of, of social media. I just. Uh, that was just never me. Absolutely. <laughs> but I got LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn's dope. Well, I like LinkedIn. I, You know what? I actually, out of the social media sites, I like LinkedIn because it's not about flexing. You know, it's not about like, you know, I'm on this private jet or, you know, that was the thing that's kind of always turned me off about social media and why I don't have it. Like I, you know. I, I don't I don't have to brag like I, I'm super happy about where I am in life like I don't have to like show people hey this is look what I'm doing but I like LinkedIn because uh it's like business minded individuals and you can kind of like you know uh you know meet you know equal minds and uh, it's kind of cool so I I do like LinkedIn so that's what I have Tyler Tyler Gallagher LinkedIn I I don't know my handle <laughs> uh you know off heart.
0: All right, Tyler. I man, I appreciate so much just your time during this today. Yeah, I feel like I got the uh, the whole exclusive on the golden compass of life, and uh, <laughs> I, I just really value your friendship and your mentorship. And for everyone that's listening, I think everyone here really got a nugget. So if there's something into you that you've guys heard today, you know, make sure you guys reshare that. Share this with a friend. You never know that if this one lesson could change someone's life, and that's really what we're out here to do is really build a community of entrepreneurs and people that are making moves and tyler you're one of the best in the business man so thank you so much (laughs) for joining we really
1: appreciate you it's been a great honor man thank you for having me and uh, i i appreciate it just as much two-way street over here my man all right sounds good man till next time thank you for
0: listening to another episode of len jones party of two If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time. Peace.